Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Mark chapter 4, and uh, we've been making this statement at the beginning of each of these messages, in any situation under consideration, we ask the question, what does the Word say? All right, and we make the statement, we must ask the question, what does the Word say? And we spent, I don't know how many weeks, multiplied weeks ministering uh, some couple of years ago on what does the Word say? And you constantly go and you ask yourself, what does the Word of God say? And the reason for that is the word is always the higher authority. And so, therefore, it's worthy of the higher respect. The higher authority is worthy of the higher respect. Hallelujah. And when we turn to the word, we're turning from the problem to the answer. That's... that's so key because there has to be a turning from something and a turning to something, all right? And it's not a denial of what you're turning from. This is so important where your faith walk is concerned, all right? Because people call uh, not being moved by what they see acting like it don't exist. Or I should say they, they call acting what acting like it don't exist, they, they call that not being moved by what they see. That person's just pretending that what's there doesn't exist. Faith operates on the basis that regardless of what you see that really exists, faith believes the word will change it. Faith does not deny. Amen. We've all, we've all run into people that were evidently sick. It was evident that they were sick. And what was, what, what, what was their <clears throat> confession? I'm not sick. I'm not sick. You're sick. <laughs> See, that's not faith. That's someone that, that heard a principle about faith and worked it incorrectly. Faith says, yes, this is trying to operate in my body, but I'm the healed of the Lord. Well, now, what are you doing? You're turning from something to something. Is that right? Have you ever had anybody be done with a conversation and just turn their back on you and walk off? I have. And you're just left there kind of going, uh, I guess we're done. Right? That, that's how you are. This is talking. Right? This is trying to talk to you. But you're turning to the Word. So whatever that is is left with, uh, okay, I guess we're done. We are. We're done. Because this is what I believe. But what if I get up in the morning and it's still there? You, you turn to the Word. 
What does the Word say? When your feet hit the floor, what are you doing? You're turning to the Word. Now, I've said over this series, this sounds so elementary, but it's where the battle's lost or won. Because you got to make that decision. What am I turning to? God, very often, cannot put you in a position in the Spirit to help you deal with things if you're not turning from whatever it is to the answer consistently. I'm not talking about just confessing every now and then. Oh, I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm fine. I'm the healed of the Lord. You are the healed of the Lord, and you should say that, but you got to turn from this to what you're saying. You're not just saying it because you know it's in the Bible. You're going to the Bible and turning to the Word and finding what the Scripture says and saying what the Scripture says. Not just a confession that somebody else said or that I heard. Amen. Amen. Because God wants to put you in a place in the Spirit where you can deal with that. That's when your authority begins to flow and your authority begins to operate. Amen. Uh, those number of years ago that uh, I, was, I was dealing with some things in my body and, and it, was, it, was a, it was a challenge. It was a definite challenge. And uh, Pastor Michelle will, and, and I don't have time to, to get into all of it, but Pastor Michelle will talk about this. She taught on this uh, last Sunday evening, I think, I think it was, at, at, at church. But in any event, she would talk about that day where we were living at the time in Shawnee Mission. And uh, I was spending time in the Word, just digging into the Word of God. And, and she came in the living room, and I was just laid there on, on the, the, the floor, just soaking in the presence of God. And she said, I walked into the living room, and the glory of the Lord was so strong, I had to sit down. Well, listen, it wasn't long after that that I was walking back from checking our mail, and I stepped off that curb, and the Lord said, now, turn around and tell that spirit that's been trying to plague you to cease in its activity against you. Now, why didn't he just tell me to do that day one? Because I wasn't in a place in the spirit yet to do it. There had, there had to be a consistent turning to the word. Had to be a consistent going to what does the word say. Not just confessing the word, going to the word. This is what your word says. Amen. Did you see that? And then what happens? Then you get in that place and you can deal with it because you're dealing with it from a place in the spirit and a place in the word. That's why we're people of the word and of the spirit. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, life is too short for you to try to go around figuring out how to do everything. Amen. You got to put yourself in a place in the spirit and let the Spirit help you do it. Amen. That, that's, amen. That, that will stop all the starting and stopping in your life. Doing this for six months and then doing something else and then starting here and stopping here and starting and stopping and starting and stopping. That, listen, the worst thing you can do on a trip is start and stop and start and stop and start and stop. You'll be forever. <laughs> there, there are people that drive from Little Rock to here and they'll say, how long does it take you to get there? Six hours. Five and a half on a good day. How in the world do you get there in six hours? 
I stopped twice. Now, I realize if you got a family, if you got kids, you got to stop more. I'm not, I'm not saying that's wrong. But what I'm saying is what takes longer? You're, that, that person's going 75. In Arkansas, you can go 75. You cross Missouri, you got to go 70. But here's the thing, right? Either way. Well, you don't have to because, you know. I'm just saying, you don't have to. But, but here's, here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. If you're, if you're going 70 miles an hour and you're stopping every 30 minutes, you're going to turn a six-hour trip into an eight-hour trip. Amen. Why? Starting and stopping, starting and stopping, starting and stopping, starting and stopping. What was the problem with the children of Israel? They never consistently would believe God. God would bring them out and the oh, God's God. Oh, we praise God. And then the next day, they'd face a challenge, brought us out here to die. Stop. Oh, God, hear from heaven, help us. And God would do a miracle. Next day, no food. Start and stop. 40 years of starting and stopping and starting and stopping and starting and stopping. And you know what happened? All those people that started and stopped, started and stopped, started and stopped, they didn't get to go into the promised land. And we taught Wednesday night on because they wouldn't turn to the Word. Hallelujah. The goal of the enemy in the life of any believer is to cause them to become offended at the Word. That's the goal of the enemy in the life of any believer. Hallelujah. To be offended at the Word is to move away from the creative power of God. We talked Wednesday night about how the Word is the creative arm, the logos, the the spoken Word. John chapter 1, it is the creative arm of the Godhead. And that when you're dealing with the Word and you're speaking the Word and you're declaring the Word and you're turning to the Word, all right, then the Word is bringing into alignment those things that are out of alignment where the Word's concerned. And when you're talking the word and you're declaring the word, the word's bringing those things back into alignment. And and whatever is not there, the word will create it because it's the creative arm of the Godhead. And that's why Jesus could say in the book of John, he made the statement, he said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. And, and, And when you look deep into the Greek in that, it says that if he doesn't have it, he'll create it. Well, what's he creating it based on? The fact that you came to him based on the word. And so healing is not so much the removal of sickness as it is the creation of healing that overrides sickness. Amen. See, sickness is not just, you understand? It's not just sickness in and of itself. Sickness is a what? A lack of healing. So when healing is created, sickness has to go. Sickness is not so much created as it is allowed because it's already in the earth. It's already under the curse. Now, God has a people in the earth that are redeemed from the curse. Glory be to God. Amen. And and when you insist on victory, I insist that I'm healed. I insist that I'm curse-free. Amen. So when you... Get offended at the word when a person's offended at the word is to move away from the creative power of God. Notice Mark chapter 4, verse 14. It says, very short verse, the sower soweth the word. So the understood subject 
of the parable is the word. That's the understood subject of the parable. Now, the word is sown by hearing the word. It can be sown in your heart by hearing it from somebody else. It's sown in your heart by you hearing the word, by you speaking the word to yourself, listening to ministers, coming to church. Right now, the word is being sown into your heart. Right now, I'm the sower sowing the word. All right? Now, the word is sown by hearing the word. Now, the enemy comes after the word because the word is the power of God. All right? That's what Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 says. Paul said this to the church in Rome. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Is that right? So the gospel, the gospel's contained in the word, obviously. So the, the power in the word is to everyone that believes. That's a good place for you to say, I'm a believer. So the power of the word is towards me. Say it one more time. I'm a believer, so the power of the word is towards me. Amen. Oh, glory. So the enemy comes after the word because the word is the power of God. The devil doesn't care what you believe about God. It's what you believe about his word. Amen. Amen. People say, well, the devil doesn't want people believing in God. The devil doesn't want people believing in his word. There are people that I know that believe in God, but they don't believe in his word. And they're saved people. They believe in God, but they don't believe in his word. Well, the enemy's got that person right where he wants them because they, they, they have at their disposal the creative power of God, but they don't believe the creative power of God. So they don't turn to the word. And whatever happens, they just put up with it. Whatever comes across their life, they just, well, whatever, we just got to get through it. You can't get through it without the Word. The curse will eventually override, overtake, and defeat you unless you turn to the Word of God. Amen. Because the flesh of man, the mind of man, cannot, will not, is not capable of overcoming the curse that Adam let in this earth unless you turn to the Word of God. Got to turn to the Word of God. Oh, Hallelujah. Now look at verse 15. It says, these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they've heard, now remember, that's how the word gets in your heart, by hearing. When they've heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away, snatcheth away, takes by force the word that was sown in their hearts. So notice, he says he comes and he takes it away. That word is so important because it means simply this, to move from its place. To move from its place. Satan comes immediately and moves the word from its place. All right? Now, why, why is that so important? Because if the enemy can shift the place that the word holds in the believer's life, he can take it. He's got to shift the place it holds. All right? When the word has prominence, when the word has a place of, of, uh, uh, of preeminence in a believer's life, it cannot be taken. It's when it gets shifted. Amen. This is important. I've watched this over the years. 
People let the word get shifted in their life. Ever what it is, through, through a, a lack of attention, uh, through circumstances or situations, we'll talk about that coming up, but when you, when you fail to give the attention to the word that it needs, it, it loses that place of preeminence. Hallelujah. And, and, and listen, that's not just getting up and giving the word the, the first I in the morning, although that's important. It's, it's what you do on a regular basis, that you're not allowing the word to be shifted out of its place. Right? It, ha- it has the preeminence in my life. Amen. If he shifts the place, he can take it. And all it takes is a shift. Just a shift. I- I'll watch this. I've seen this over the years. Somebody will be believing God for something. Boy, they're on the word. They're on the word every day. They're on the word three times a day. They're declaring the word. They're going to the scriptures. They're declaring the word. And things start getting better. And people will say, well, wasn't that wonderful? Things got better because the word was placed back in its right position. Most of the challenges that you see people face, and, and, and when I say this, please understand what I'm saying. I shouldn't say most, many of the challenges that people face is because somehow they they let the word slip. Right? Think about that. When, When you're believing for something, it's the word, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. This is what the word said. This is what the word said. My wife and I are in agreement. My family's in agreement. I'm in agreement with my brother. This is what the word said. How are you doing, brother? Healed and blessed and doing fine favor because the word says, right? And not you, but other people. I've watched this in people's lives. Then that healing will come through. God will heal their body. And what happens? The word shifts. There's, there's no reason to go over those scriptures anymore because I'm healed. Here, let me help you with something. There's still a curse loose. Right? When the evil spirit goes out of a man, he roams about in dry places and comes back. Understand that the devil is a creature of habit. He never just goes away and stays away. He'll try to come back. And what's the scripture say? It says that if he comes back, and he finds that house that he was driven out of, put in order and swept and ready to occupy, he'll come back and he'll bring seven spirits worse than himself. Is that right? What, what does that mean? He's not just looking to have you in the same position you were in. He's looking for you to be worse off. People say, yeah, it'll be seven times worse. He didn't say seven times worse. He said seven spirits worse than himself. Amen. One of those spirits could be 20 times worse than him. Now, you understand why I'm saying that? Because when you believe God for something and you work the word and you drive it out of your life, then you keep it driven out of your life by staying with the word on it. Amen, because when you, when you let up, the enemy goes, oh, okay, the word has shifted, right? It's important because that's his mode of operation. 
He's going to come back around. The enemy doesn't need 50 different things to try to get to a person's life. He just needs one that works. And he'll stay with that one. Amen. Amen. I've counseled marriages for years. And I can't tell you how many times I've known. She knows how to push my buttons. And I'll ask this question. When are you going to change your buttons? <laughs> yeah, but what about her? I'm, we'll deal with her. You got buttons that need to change. Are you following me? Yes, sir. The, the enemy knows this is, this is how to do this. For some people, it's finances. If he can get at some people's finances, he can bring them down. I don't understand what's going on. And, and right? I don't understand. For some people, it's physical issues. For some people, it's their families. The devil is ruthless. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about your family. He don't care what happens to you. He don't care how rich you are, and he don't care how poor you are as long as you don't turn to the Word. The devil doesn't care if you have money in 16 banks in the county. Full accounts. He doesn't care as long as you're not turning to the Word. Because when you, your money's not a threat, turning to the Word is. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Do, do you see that? Well, the devil's just out to make, you know, the devil's just trying to kill all the Christians. No, he's not. He's trying to kill everybody. That's what he does. He wants to destroy everybody because the only way he can make sure that people are not a threat to him is to get rid of them. Amen. Amen. Am I helping you? Yes. And so your job is what? Keep the word in the place of prominence. Yes. This is what the word says. Yes. I'm not going to let it shift. No. Right? Yes. I'm not going to put it to the side because I, I've got the victory. Are you following me? Yeah. yeah, but everything's better. I know everything's better because of the Word. Yeah. And if you want to keep it better, you got to stay in the Word. Yeah. you got to stay with what the Word says. Why? Because notice, it says, we, we read this earlier, when the Word is sown, He comes immediately. That, that, listen, that doesn't mean that when you walk out the door, the devil's waiting on you, and he's going to try to beat you up before you get home. Could be, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying, be aware of this. This is his mode of operation. He comes after the word. You, you listen, you are collateral damage. He wants the word. Not you, he wants the word. Well, the devil came after my marriage. He got the word first. If he got your marriage, he got the word first. Because he can't. He can't have my marriage when I'm loving my wife like Christ loves the church. He can't have my marriage when my wife is submitting herself to me and submitting herself to the Lord and submitting herself to the things of God. And we're submitting one to another in the spirit of love and the bond of unity. He can't, uh-uh, no. He cannot have my marriage when I refuse to speak cross words to my wife. He cannot. You following me? Amen. Well, I know marriages the devil has stolen. He stole the word first. Because that's what he comes after. Oh, the devil robbed our finances. He got the word first. Right. But pastor, that's hard. I know. But it's, it, when you look at in the word, of, the word of God, the Bible, the gospel is the strong man's gospel. It, it, requires, it requires a backbone to just say, okay, this is what the Bible says. This is what I believe. Hallelujah. So when I say, 
if he got something, he got the word first. The word is the protection. What is God watching over to make sure he performs? His word. What did he say would not return to him void? His word. What did Paul say in Romans 16? That the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. If you're believing, it's because it has prominence. It has the position of preeminence in your life. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Did you see that? And, and, and that's why you should confess the word, but you're not confessing the word just as a system to make something happen. You're confessing the word because you're storing it up in your heart. I said you're storing it up in your heart. And then when a challenge shows up, what comes out of your mouth is what you've been storing up in your heart. And you don't have to try to confess something right when a challenge comes. It's already right because the word's never lost its preeminence. And that's, and that's what you'll see people do is, is then when something happens, they, then they begin to try to confess the word and there's nothing stored up in their heart. If nothing's there, you can't get anything out. If you don't have any money in your bank account, you can go put your PIN number in the ATM all you want. It's not going to give you any money because there's none for it to draw from. Ever how much I want something that I see in the word, I've got to put... My, I got to put the word in my heart so I can exercise faith in the word that's in my heart and so I can receive from the word through the avenue of faith. If it's not there, if it's not in my heart, there's no way to exercise faith in it. I've, I've got to have it in my heart and exercise faith in it. Then, then you're turning to the word. Oh, hallelujah. So who holds the Word in its proper place in our lives. We do. By how? Giving it its proper position. That's in everything. That's you responding according to the Word. Amen. I said that's you responding according to the Word. Amen. You know, it's not hard to... If, if a person believes that this is true and this is God's Word, it should not be difficult for a Christian to respond in line with the word. If this is his word. I'll tell you what, forgiven's the hardest thing in the world for me. Then you better believe the word. Because if, right, if you believe it, think, think about this for a second. Am I helping anybody? Think about this for a second. If, if Brother Jeremy uh, was dealing with a, 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 an issue in his body, I know him. He's a man of the word. He's a man of faith. He'd get a hold of the word of God and he'd say, no, according to Isaiah 53 and 5, I'm healed. And he'd look at his wife and say, baby, I'm healed. I don't know if you call her baby, but anyway, I'm healed. Right? And what would he do? That would close the book. I'm healed. Is that right? That closes the book. You found it in the word, that's it. No need for further discussion. Went to the word, got what the word said, that's what I got. Amen. Uh, when you stand praying, forgive. Amen. If you have all against sin it. Is that right? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isaiah 53 and 5, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus, closes the book. When you stand praying, forgive if you have all against sin it. Do you know what they did for me? Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. No. 
when you stand praying, you find out you got all against somebody, forgive them, closes the book. That's it. They're forgiven. Why? I'm keeping the word in the place of prominence. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. Jesus did not say, depending on what they did to you, you forgive them. Listen, the Bible mentions all kinds of enemies of your faith. Unforgiveness is the only one Jesus mentioned. If it's the only one Jesus mentioned, it must be important. Amen. See, am I helping you with that? You give the word its place of prominence. And then, right? If the enemy can get you to not forgive, then he has shifted the word. It's no longer in a place of prominence. Well, pastor, it is. No, it's not. Because for the word to be in a place of prominence means that you're what? You're doing what the word says in everything that comes up to you. When you're praying and something comes up, maybe you responded to somebody wrong or right or whatever, and, and maybe you need to call and ask them to forgive you, or maybe you need to talk to them and ask them to forgive you. If you want to keep the, play, the word in its place of prominence, what do you do? You pick up the phone, you go to their house, you do whatever you got to do, say, brother, forgive me. I shouldn't have said what I said. I shouldn't act the way I acted. Whatever it is, I ask you to forgive me in Jesus' name. Right? What have you done now? You've got the word back up where it's supposed to be. Amen. This is important. Why? Because what's he trying to do? Shift the word out of its place. I say shift the word out of its place. Oh, hallelujah. Do do you see that? Now, you can do that if you're just acting on the word. Everything you do in the word is by faith. So you're going to forgive by faith. Now, but I don't feel like I've forgiven. It doesn't matter if you feel like you have forgiven. You have forgiven according to the word of God. Amen. See, listen. Well, what if if they don't change? I'm not in charge of that. They're going to have to deal with God about that. I got to deal with God about forgiving. Amen. Amen. You know, I've I've seen these, and, and you've seen them too. People would be in the courtroom. I don't know how I got on forgiveness, but I'm here. I'm going to stay for a minute. And maybe a loved one was harmed, or I've even seen where they died, or they were murdered, or they were hit by somebody that was driving drunk. And, and one of the loved ones, one of the relatives, would stand up there and look at that person and say, I just want you to know that I have forgiven you. And you're thinking, how could they forgive them? Maybe you're not. Maybe I think that way only. How could they forgive them? They murdered their loved one. How could they forgive them? They have to. See, what? A- <laughs> that's, what, that's what Aria thinks of my sermon. <laughs> At least she's honest. <laughs> right? But think, think about this. Whatever, whatever punishment is meted out to that person by the judicial system is right and just. I have to forgive. 
I got to keep the word in prominence. Yeah, but don't, don't you want them to not be punished? That's not up to me. The only thing that's up to me, when they broke the law, they put themselves under subjection to the law. I have to forgive. That's all I can do. Is that right? This is so important. Because what the enemy will try to do is get you to come up with reasons not to forgive. They hurt me. They did me wrong. You know the pain they caused me. Okay, I understand that. And if, and, and if they don't repent and change, they'll pay for that. Right. You have to forgive. Yes. Why? Because the Bible says, Jesus said, if I don't forgive, there's things God can't do for me. Amen. See, this is keeping the word. And so the enemy will bring up what they did to you. The enemy will bring that up. What's he trying to do? Shift the word. Don't you know how they treated you? They lied on you. They, they told off on you. They did this. They did that. He's trying to get you to operate in that spirit of offense, and that will shift the word. Brother Hagin used to say this. He said, I wouldn't respond to my critics if they told on me I killed my grandma. He said, I'm not going to do it. Because he said, I believe the reason why I've lived all these years with no sickness and no disease is I've lived by the law of love and I've forgiven. And, and when somebody asked me to forgive them, I've forgiven them. That's so key. I took that to heart. My pastor told me years ago, he said, no matter what goes on in your life, walk in love and stay above the fray. That's it. That's me. That's me. I'll ask you to forgive me in a minute. I'll ask you to forgive me even if I know I didn't do anything to you, but you have something against me. I want you to forgive me. I do not have time to allow the word to be shifted out of my life even for a moment because there's too much that God wants to do for you and me, us, our churches. There's too much that God wants to do. We can't afford to have the word shifted out of its place. Amen. Can't afford it. Can't afford it. And everything that God's done for any of us is because of the Word. Oh, hallelujah. Now, let's get back over here to Mark 4. I'm hurrying a little bit. See, it says that He comes immediately for the Word. Comes immediately. Mark chapter 4, verse 16. He comes immediately, or verse 15, for the Word. That word, immediately... It means directly, directly. Now, understand, that's not, that's not like, you know, some of our old relatives. I, I have relatives from Kentucky, and they'll say, you call them, say, y'all coming over, and they say, well, directly. <laughs> that's a good colloquialism for eventually. This word directly means he's got a direct target, right? He's going directly for the word in your life. Nothing else. Just the word. Amen. Well, the enemy, the enemy came after my children. No, he came after the word in you. And, and if your children are weaker spiritually and will allow him to work, he's trying to get the word out of you by coming after them. Right. You understand? So that's why, what do you stand on? You stand on the scripture. All of my children are taught of the Lord. Great is the peace of my children. Though hand join in hand, the wicked will not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous will be delivered. Amen. Amen. 
Even the prey of the captive will be taken, and the prey of the terrible will be delivered, but I'll contend with them that contend with you, and I'll save your children. What he said, right? And so if they're not walking, living for God, he's going to attack them, trying to get what? The word out of you. Amen. He's coming directly for the word. He comes for the word because of the loss of the word will cause the destruction of the man and cause the destruction of his life. If he gets the word, he gets the man. Right. Amen. To protect the word is to protect your life. To protect the word is to protect your family. To protect the word is to protect your finances, your health, whatever it may be. Amen. Now, notice in verse 16. And these are they sown on stony ground who when they've heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and endure before time afterward when affliction or persecution arises. Notice this, for the word's sake. Here's what I want to get you acclimated to. It's not you. It's the word. He wants the word. We are just not that important to the devil. It's the word. It's the word. Amen. Yeah, but you know, Pastor, you know, you know that the devil hated Billy Graham about the same as he hates you. Yeah, but Billy Graham was getting all those hundreds of thousands, millions of people saved. Well, he sure was. And those hundreds of thousands, millions of people are no more important than the co-worker you got saved last week. Amen. He had a bigger platform than you have. You don't have a platform to minister to a million people. I don't have a platform to minister to that many people all at one time. But I'm going to be faithful in what the Lord gives me. Amen. You, you got to understand that. He's coming after the word. Persecution, trouble, pressure come for the word. Amen. 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 Now, again, that sounds, that, sounds, that sounds elementary, but people will go through something and they hit their knees. Oh, God, where have I missed it? Oh, Lord, where did I miss it? I'm under an attack. Where did I miss it? You didn't miss it. He's coming after the word. And that whiny baby, whiny baby crying and that whiny baby pouting is going to give him access to the word. Get up and insist on victory. Stand on the word of God. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to whine about this. I've got the victory in the name of Jesus. I know what you're after, and you're not getting it. You're not getting the word. I've hid the word in my heart. You can't have it. Amen. Did you see that? Don't, don't, don't do that. Oh, Lord, where did I miss it? Where did I miss it? Where did I miss it? Protect the word. Protect the word. He's coming after the word. Defeat is found in the question. When, when, when you've got to go directly to the Word. There's no question about the Word. The enemy loves it when people begin to question. Because the more you question where you missed it, the less you focus on what can correct what you missed. God is bigger than your miss. The Word is bigger than your failure. Hallelujah. So notice, it comes after the Word. Persecution and affliction arise for the word's sake. Immediately they are offended. So trouble and pressure comes for the word. Now who comes after the word? The devil. 
So the enemy will use pressure to get to the Word. He'll also use pressure to get our focus off the Word. Amen. Once you turn from the Word, you've turned from the answer. Amen. It says, immediately they are offended. Here's this word offended. And it means to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. It means to cause one, a person, to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. You need that again? Anybody? I see you right. You need it again? To cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. Now, here's what you got to understand. The enemy desires to get the believer offended. And he desires to get the believer offended in three major areas. There's three major areas. Number one, at God and his word. He wants you offended at God and his word, which by definition that we just gave you is to cause you to put distrust and quit trusting what you ought to obey. That's what, that's what he tried to do with Job, was to get Job to distrust God. He couldn't do it. Job Amen. never distrusted God. Amen. Yeah, but he blamed God, but he didn't distrust him. Amen. I mean, there's, there's two verses in Job that you can't get around. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips or charge God foolishly. It says that twice. And we go by what the Word says. Amen. Job blamed God for what was going on because he didn't know anything about the devil. There's only one person to blame, God. Right. This is important. So, so, the, so the devil was less interested in Job's stuff as he was in getting Job to turn against God. Yep. And Job wouldn't do it. Amen. Just wouldn't do it. Hallelujah. Now, Secondly, he wants to get you offended at fellow believers at your church. Now, why? Because Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25, that we often go to and quote about not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together even more as you see the day approaching, it tells us why that we want to assemble together. Because it says as we're, we're assembled together, we're edifying one another, we're exhorting one another, we're causing each other to move forward, and the enemy wants you away from that. And, and the only way he can do that is to try to get you offended at somebody. In other words, he wants you to, if, you know, if, if you're a member of this church and you've been coming here for a while, chances are there are people sitting around you that you trust and people that you put confidence in. He wants you to quit trusting them and quit putting confidence in them. That doesn't mean that the person sitting around you won't ever make a mistake or fail but you can trust them to love you and care for you and help you. That's why you, right? That's one of the main reasons you want to come to church. That's one of the main reasons you want to be a disciple of Christ. There's a lot of what we're talking about in the afternoon classes on discipleship is that, is that God's not just looking for people that want to know what he can do for them. He's looking for people that want to know what he can do through them. Amen. And so that, that, that's, that's the key. And so he wants you offended at them because nobody will come along. And, and listen, here's the thing. You put yourself in a dangerous position when you won't allow anybody to come alongside you and edify you and exhort you. you. Hear me when I say this, and you can think whatever you want to think about it. Nobody's up all the time. Nobody's on their A game always. 
When, some, when a fellow brother or sister comes and, and pats you on the shoulder and says, how are you doing? I've been praying for you. How can I pray for you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm blessed, doing fine, more than a conqueror. Blessed going in, blessed coming out. Then I guess God didn't know what he was doing by telling me to come and ask you what I can pray with you about. As a pastor, I'll go up to people and say, how are you doing? Been thinking about you a lot. How can I agree with you? Pastor, I'm great. Then why did God wake me up at 3 o'clock in the morning all week to pray for you? I was talking on the phone just the other day to somebody. And, man, the Lord had them on my mind, and I was up praying. Now, I, I wasn't up just sitting in my chair going, boy, I want to go back to bed. Shanda, Sika, help them. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm nose in the carpet praying for this person. Father, whatever they need to do, Father, help them. Help them to see it. Lord, and in the back of your mind, you're saying, because I got to sleep sometime. And so help them to see this. Right? And then I talk to that person, hey, what's going on? How, you know, I've been praying for you. What's going on? Oh, well, I, I think everything's fine. Mm, 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 mm. No, you know something's going on. Oh, the Lord wouldn't have told me to pray for you. When you come to church, that's the benefit of having a church. That's the benefit of having a local church. Amen. So the enemy wants you, number one, offended at God and his word. He wants you, number two, he wants you offended at the people around you. Number three. He wants you offended at your pastor. He wants you offended at the man or the woman of God that he's called you to sit under. Why? Because if he gets you, if he gets you away from that, he gets, he gets you away from what he can do through that person to you. Hallelujah. That's important. When, when, when we read about the, the five-fold ministry gifts in the book of Ephesians, and it talks about uh, uh, the evangelist, uh, uh, the, the, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, all of those gifts, I can receive from all of those gifts. I had a person kind of get upset at me one time. They said, well, I've been sitting under this man's ministry for years. You know, he's been pastoring me. You know, he's a prophet. Well, he's not a pastor then. That's your problem. You haven't been under a pastor. Well, you know, I just, I don't believe in following men. Then who are you going to follow? Well, I'll follow Jesus. You can't do it if you're not following somebody else. Amen. Can't do it. I can follow Jesus on my own. No, you can't. The Bible says you can't. Three different times. Paul said, follow Christ. Uh-huh. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. He said, look at those around you that have obtained what you want to obtain and follow their faith. Be followers of those who through faith and patience obtain the promises. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. If, if he gets you offended in one of these areas, he gets you to turn from the word because getting offended is turning from the word. Amen. That's just it. I said, that's just it. I've told my pastor on more than one occasion, you cannot offend me. I will never be offended at you. I don't care what you have to say to me. I will never be offended at you. I read that, that verse in, in the Old Testament when, when uh, uh, Naomi was going back to, to Israel and she told her two daughters-in-law, you remember Orpha and Ruth, and said, go back because I, I don't have any, I can't have kids anymore. You know, what are you going to do? And remember what Orpha said, hugged her, kissed her, loved her, and left. And Ruth said, mm, I'll go where you go. I'll stay where you stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I'll die where you die. That's it. If God called me to that person, I'm called to that person. People say, God called me to this church. God called you to me as the pastor of this church. 
And that's where you stay. That's where you stay. That's what you do. When the Lord told Brother Rick, he said that, that, that the turbulence was going to come into the, to the world. And he said, but for those that will stay in my word, for those that will stay in faith, for those that will stay in love, for those that will stay in the spirit, for those that will continually sow seed into the ground of the kingdom for eternal life, he said, they'll be okay. And the Lord said to me, he said, and for those that stay where I put them, you stay where God put you. Why? Because that, that's an open door for the enemy to get to the word. I, I, that's important. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Notice, the enemy, once he gets a believer separated, it's easier to steal the word. Once he gets you separated, Paul, remember when Paul wrote the church and he said, I'm sending Timothy to you? And he said, I'm sending him because I don't have anybody as like-minded as him that will naturally care for your estate. You know, when the Bible talks about feeding the flock of God and caring for them, it's interesting to me that it's never directed, it's never directed specifically to an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist. It's directed to a pastor. Never the others. Why? Because they're going to come and go in the local church. We have people that minister here that are apostles. We operate in a certain level of that, that office. But the main foundational office is the office of the pastor. You're going to have prophets come in and out. You're going to have evangelists come in and out. You're going to have great teachers come in and out. But the one that's never going to come in and out is your pastor. Amen. It's important. Because he said that's the one that leads and feeds the church. If the enemy can get, do you understand that? And so when, 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 when we come to understand, think about this. If you're married in here, now, now bear with me when I say this. If you're married, you may or may not have children. If you have children, listen, who are you called to? And people say, my wife and my children. Mm-mm, your wife. Because your children are going to grow up and leave. Right. And you're going to be there with her. And if you make it a child-centered marriage and you make everything about the kids, what are you going to do when the kids are gone? Well, it got quiet. It got quiet because part of y'all don't believe that. And other parts like, oh, I haven't thought about it. But read, read your Bible. I'm not going to, I mean, read your Bible. You'll see it's right. The Bible never tells me that I am to forsake all others and cleave to my kids. It said you forsake all others and you cleave to your wife and you cleave to your husband. It's not minimizing children. Listen, I, I got children that I love. I got children that wake me up at 2 o'clock in the morning to pray for them all night. All right? But here's, here's what I'm trying to tell you. When God, when you got married, God called you to her and her to you. The children were a product of God's calling. Amen. And one day, little pookie, wookie, 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 is going to grow up and find Mr. Pookie Wookie Wookie Wookie, and they're going to come together because they're called. Right? right? And you're happy to see that happen. Not because you want to get rid of them, but because that's the plan of God for their life. You're happy to be where God called you. Why? Because you don't want to let the enemy offend you. Do you see that? Look at Psalm 119. I'm hurrying. Only got uh, three more verses. So that doesn't guarantee anything, except I'm going to get you out of here eventually. 
No, it'll be quickly. We have to dedicate little Mr. Nehemiah. Psalm 119, verse 41. Notice what it says. Let your mercies come also unto me, Lord, even your salvation. Notice, according to your word, so shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in the word. So notice what he says. He says, if I have your word, I have an answer to the person that reproaches me. Well, that word reproach means to taunt. T-A-U-N-T, taunt. When the enemy taunts you, how does the enemy taunt you? Or what you believe isn't working. That standing on the word, that isn't working. That confessing the word, it don't work. That giving, sowing, and reaping, it don't work. It's not working for you. That's a taunt. And notice what the psalmist says. He says, my answer is in the word. We answer with the word. Why do we turn to the word? We trust the word. We trust the word. Amen. So the enemy questions the word in an attempt to what? To get the question in your mind. To get the question in your mind. And, and listen, don't pout about your situation. Don't pout. Don't ever, 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 ever feel sorry for yourself. Why? That's pride. That's putting you at the forefront. Well, nobody knows what I'm going through. Yes, they do. His name is Jesus. And he said he would be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. To, to feel bad and sorry for yourself, you got to turn from the Word. Amen. you got to turn from the Word. How can I feel sorry for myself when I have the victory? Amen. How can I feel sorry for myself when everything's going my way? How can I feel sorry for myself when right now seed is multiplying in the ground and I have multiplied resources at my disposal? How can I feel bad? Amen. The answer is I can't. So what do you do? You don't let the devil talk. You give him no place. Look at Galatians 2, Galatians chapter 2. You don't let the devil talk. You know, Pastor, he just, he, just, he just keeps on. He is. He's persistent. And you have to be just as persistent. Amen. You can't let him talk. Because he'll just keep talking. He'll, he'll start telling you that that pain in your body, he'll, he'll start with something simple, and before you know it, you'll need a lobotomy. <laughs> be, be, because he, he just won't end. He will keep talking to you till he convinces you you're going to die. I'm, isn't that right? Amen. And, that, and that's why the moment he starts talking to you about anything, you go, no, 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 no. I will not die, but I'll live and declare the works of the Lord. In my pathway is life, and there is no death. Yeah. Right? You're, you're, you're talking immediately yeah. the word. Right? He even listen, my, my mother. Now, I'm not saying this is the way to parent. Matter of fact, I'm saying it's not the way. <laughs> my mother. Y'all met my mother. She's... 89 pounds sopping wet and has been that way. Five foot nothing. Not even five foot. I think four nine. Maybe. But now not so much me, my sister. I mean, I've been on this end of it, but my sister mainly. My, my sister, I'm not going to talk about my sister. She's, she's a pastor in our fellowship. 
I'll talk about Buzz and how his mother used to beat him. But glory to God. But let me, let me just say this. Sometimes there would be a person who shall remain unnamed in the other room with my mother. And you'd hear my mother say, don't talk to me about it no more. And you'd hear a voice. And my mother said, I told you. And you'd hear a voice. And you'd hear. <laughs> and you're going. <laughs> and if she came out and found you laughing, she'd go, do you want some too? I mean, she'd tell you, she'd say no about something. And you know how kids are. I don't know if your kids are just saints or what. But, you know, you, they, they, you, you say no. And what, what, what usually follows no? What? And y'all said it just like them. Why? Now, in my home, it was because I said, and I found out raising kids is not a good answer. But the point that I'm making is this. My mother would say no. And if you started saying anything again, she, this is how she did her hand. It was, she didn't pull it back like this. It was always real dainty. And she'd pull her hand back and go, say it, and I'll box your jaws. Now, I'm not telling you to parent that way, right? I'm saying, I'm not saying that was right, but that's how you got to do the devil. You can't let him talk. You're not going to say that to me no more. Right? Galatians 2, 5, to whom Paul is talking about these people that came in that were spying out the liberty and they were trying to bring people into bondage. And he said, to whom we gave place by subjection, not for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. That word give place means do not yield. They did not yield. So what was being said was not the truth. And Paul said, we didn't yield to that lie for one moment for the sake of the truth. Amen. Don't yield the word. Whatever he says, you go back to the word. And then you know how Mark 4 ends up in Mark chapter 4, verse 20. It says, and these are they that are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and bring forth a harvest, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. All right? You get whatever harvest you get on the word, it's because you're turning to the word. And the more you turn, the greater harvest you get. I say the more you turn, the greater harvest you get. The goal of the Christian life is maturity. The goal of the Christian existence is to grow up into Christ. That's what we're doing in every service. We're growing up into Christ. Every class, we're growing up into Christ. Amen. I've got to be able to look at my life at the end of 2023, which we are at, and see growth. I've got to be able to look back and say, I grew in that area and I grew in this area, and then I got to pick out areas for 2024 that I got to grow in again. Amen. Am I helping you? Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor, you know, some of what you're saying is very direct. I know, and it's direct because of this. This is what we got to deal with. Amen. Over the years, I'll say this and I'll be done. Over the years, I've had people tell me that I'm too strong on the word. And I have to understand where people are at. I do understand where people are at. But I also see the problem. And if you don't deal with the problem, how can you fix the situation? I was, uh, I was dealing with a couple one time in a marriage, and this has been some time ago. And the problem was, well, it wasn't the only problem, but the major problem was the man was constantly 
viewing pornography. Now, obviously, we hate that, all right? But when they came to talk to me about it, I had two issues. He wanted to act like it wasn't a big deal, and she didn't want to forgive him. So now we got two people that won't turn to the word. How can we fix that? And I said, if he's willing to put these safeguards in place and willing to take these steps, will you forgive him? Well, I just don't know if I can do that. Well, what's he thinking in his mind? Then why do that? Right. And, and, and the easy answer is, well, because he loves his wife. I don't know that he did. But here, here's, here's the point. Here's the point. I've also dealt with people that one of them had an issue. Maybe, well, both of them had issues or they wouldn't have been there. But uh, one glaring issue and that person that had the issue will go, I'll do whatever it takes to save my marriage. Now we got something to work with. Right. Amen. When you look at the situation you're in and that's your mindset, I will do whatever it takes to overcome this. I don't, Lord, I don't care what it takes. It, does, it doesn't matter. Lord, I'll, whatever I need to do, ever how long I need to be in the Word, whatever steps I need to take, I'm willing. I will do it because I'm going to see this change in my life.